good morning, everyone. Have a seat. My name is Rick. I'm one of the ministers here. So glad to see you. Thank you for coming and joining us today at First City Church. I hope that uh, the, the, the worship has spoken to you and that uh, you're having a good morning. Now, so we're in this series called Nobody based off of this song. I love the song. In fact, I wish it was like the theme song of my life. I'm just a nobody, right? Trying to tell everybody all about somebody that saved my soul. Thank you, Vic. So I'm just a nobody. Now, that's kind of difficult. It's, it's difficult to say, I want, at the end of the day, I want my life to be a nobody. Because everything about us wants to be somebody, right? And it started when we were little. That's like the story of Samson in the Bible. You know, Samson started off and, and it's like, hey, and his dad was like, can you tell me what my boy's going to be like when he grows up? I said, I mean, proud fathers, we want to know when our children are growing up, what are they going to be like, who are they going to be? And, and we're exploring, are they going to be an athlete? Are they going to be a ballerina? Are they going to be super smart and have somebody else pay for their college besides me? Come on now, anyone up with that? And, and, we're, and we, we, we grow up trying to become somebody. I want to be valuable. I want to be valuable. But this is the unique message about Jesus. He's like, there's so much pressure in that. And that you're always trying to perform up to somebody else's expectation. And you can't do it. You'll never be able to live up to that. And so it creates the stress in our life. So Jesus comes along with this very simple message. If you'll just surrender to me, just die to yourself and surrender to me, I'll create in you more life than you ever would have found on your own. And that's the beginning part of Christianity. And it sounds really weird. Now, Colossians chapter 2 says it this way. For you died, chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So I want to welcome you here this morning. For those of you who are watching online, thank you for being with us and thank you for joining in. This verse gives us the two bookends of life. Verse 3 says, if at the beginning of your life you were to just die to Christ, let your life be hidden in Christ, and figure out what does it mean to just become a follower of Jesus, die to myself, live to Christ. If you were to do that, on the back end of your life, verse 4 when all is said and done, when Christ is revealed to the whole world, you will share in the glory of God. At the end of the day, you will find the life that you've been looking for and all along the way. Now, those are the bookends. So then Jesus comes along and people are asking, how can that be? How can it happen? Is Jesus the Messiah? What's going on with that? And so he says, well, let me just explain it to you. So Jesus talked in parables and one of them was the parable of the four souls. And so last week I got in trouble for calling us the four different kinds of pot, which is like, yay. And so, so this is the four different kinds of dirt or soil, 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 whatever that word is. And so Jesus said, a farmer comes along. And let me tell you, let me say it this way. He said, like the farmer, Jesus, God is trying to get his word out to everybody. And it's like a farmer going out and sowing seed. And back then they would grab in the bag and they would scatter their seed, Right? 
And he's like, he scatters his seed and some of it falls, falls on this real hard path and birds eat it up and nobody cares. People walk on it and it's trashy and, and it produces nothing. And then he throws some seed and there's a bunch of rocks under the soil. So it looks like there's dirt on top, but there's so many rocks that the, the real plant cannot get roots deep enough. And so the sun comes out and it just withers and dies. Nothing grows in a life where there's so much other stuff going on, you know, underneath the surface that it can't take root. And some falls along, you know, this thorny path or where all the weeds are. There's a lot of weeds and you can take a good seed and drop it in here and it gets lost. And it doesn't produce what it's supposed to because all this other stuff gets all the nourishment and crowds it all out. And then last week we had this pot empty and it was just dirt. And there's some that's really good soil and it wants to create something that's beautiful. And so when Jesus first told that story, people were, people were like, well, why would a farmer throw his seed? Because one seed back then was so valuable. And if it's true, it can produce 30, 60, or 100 fold. Then why would you waste it on hard or rocky or thorny soil. Why would a farmer cast his seed where three-fourths of it's not going to produce anything good? And in their mind, they're like, no farmer would do that. A, f- a good farmer will say, we're going to get, re- this is going to be the path over here where people are going to walk. We're not going to throw any seed there. And then he's going to, for two or three months, go and pull out all of the rocks, he's going to dig in all of the dirt, get everything out underneath it that can keep the roots from going deep and get it all out and turn over that dirt. He's going to pull up all the weeds, all the thorns, everything competing for one good seed producing a really good plant until it becomes fertile soil so that everything there goes to a good harvest. And Jesus is like, well, that's, that's, that's the truth. And as it relates to dirt, that's what a good farmer would do. But what Jesus is saying is this. I'm scattering the seed, the word of God. I'm scattering the good news over the whole world. And everybody falls into one of these four buckets. Your heart is either cold, hard to the things of God. And so there's like, and we talked about this. You know, I looked at some paths, you know, and just sidewalks, and you walk anywhere where there's a sidewalk or an old path or dirt path where people walk, and you'll see trash everywhere. It's like, man, this is, and this represents what Jesus is saying. This represents some people's life. All my words are trashy. All my jokes are trashy. What my eyes look at is trashy. The things I want to fill up my, and I find it funny, and everything is so trashy that you could put the Word of God's good seed in here, but there's nothing for a good seed to take hold of it that can grow something good. And so he's like, we need to get rid of all the trash and, and instead fill it up with something that's receptive to the things of God. Men, this is what we're going to do on Saturday. And you're not going to have to say, well, let me tell you about all the trash in my life. It's not about embarrassment. It's just about us coming together as men and talking about what can we do to get rid of the things in our life that don't belong anyway and begin to create an, a heart where the things of God can be seen. So if you've not already signed up for the men's breakfast, 
Go downstairs as soon as our service is over. There's a computer down there, and Corey and Teddy, some of them will help you get all signed up. And, and we want over 100 of you there, and it's going to be good. Just the thick bacon by itself is going to be good. So this is the hardest one because this is the life where all of these rocks are hard things that have happened in your life, things that never should have happened, things that were wrong the stuff that was done to you, and it creates all this woundedness and things. It becomes so hard that the things of God can't penetrate, and it really takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to pull this up, I'm going to look at it, I'm going to go to counseling, and I'm going to say, that was not of God, and I'm going to forgive myself of my hard decisions. I'm going to forgive other people of the hard things they did, and little by little, I'm just going to get rid of all those hard places so that what's left can produce something good. This is a life where this stuff is not necessarily bad. It's just temporary. Weeds don't last long and they don't produce anything good. But you, you leave a yard unattended and weeds just take over the yard. Anybody? Right? Or, or, or a garden. And if you're not constantly getting rid of all the weeds, they get all the good nourishment and nothing good can be produced. And so that was my punishment when I was young. We had a half acre garden and one little hoe. And guess who day after day after day got to deal with weeds? Right? Me. And so what they're saying is, we have all this stuff in our life that's temporary. Hey, I'd love to come to the men's breakfast, but I'm just, I got so much going on in my life. And I've got then, I've got then, I've got, and then my favorite team is playing at 11. I don't want to, and I just need to, listen, I got it. I got it. And so this life says, my life is so full of my own stuff that there's no time for God. And so what he's saying is, at some point, you'll have to make a decision. Am I ready to get rid of all this stuff that really isn't producing anything and become fertile ground or good ground to produce something that is attractive? Now, our message today says this. If anybody were to walk up and if anybody were to say, you know, I think I'm going to take one of these home with me today and I want something that people will look at and go, wow, that's pretty. That's nice. Of the four, which one would you choose? It's, this is what Jesus is trying to say to him. If you were to die to yourself and let God produce in you whatever he wants to produce in you, then he'll transform your life from any of this to this. And what he'll do in you will become so beautiful other people will be drawn to it. Let me show it to you. Now, by the way, have y'all seen Selena Seen? Have y'all heard of Selena Seen? Anybody in here other than teenagers heard of Selena Seen? They probably have all heard about it, right? And Oh, you haven't? Okay, Selena Seen is this, uh, some people on, on the internet thought any scene in our world will be better if Celine Dion is singing behind it. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. Here's a clip of a last-second shot made by Syracuse against Duke in a very, very important ball game. 
and the guy makes the last second shot. I'm just going to show you just the, 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 the game. All right, here's the last second shot. That's a great shot, right? Okay, so that's, that's the way it just sounds in normal time without the beautiful Celine Dion. But, but when you put Selena scene to it, it's like this. Isn't that great? Right? And, and it, can, it, can, it can be anything. How many of you watched the, the, the movie Rudy? Right? And did you cry at this scene? Here you go. Just, here you go. Here's, here's, here's Rudy. Never got in a ball game. Couldn't, could, there he is. He couldn't wait to play. He finally gets in the ball game. Okay, so that's Rudy finally getting in a ball game and making a tackle. But with Celine Dion. Good. Here you go. Same thing. Just. shoulders somebody let let's let's celebrate oh see Celine Dion would make this sermon better you know what I'm talking about it just she makes everything better so here's my question what did God insert into every scene in the world what did God insert into the world to make everything better and she inserted Jesus and Jesus does make everything better amen but Jesus has gone to heaven, and Jesus said, now I've inserted something else into the world to make everything better. What did you, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to live inside you, and you are the light of the world. Listen, God is saying, Christians, I have put and left you in the world to make everything better. You are Selena Singh. You are Christ in this world. It's you, the hope of glory. Here are just a few verses to talk about it. Here is, let's just go through the verses and let's start with, uh, yeah. And provide for those, here's Isaiah 61. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, oil of joy instead of mourning, garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called the oaks of righteous, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God is going to plant in you, do something in you that will glorify him. And if, and if you, that's why we talk different than everybody else. That's why we act different. That's why we love unconditionally. That's why you're patient in a traffic jam. 
That's why when four people are ahead of you in line that's going way too slow, you don't lose your cool like everybody else around you. Because God's doing something in you and it's going to be so obvious. This is the way most of the time people act when they don't get their way. Or they're so frustrated and they're pulling their hair out, but not you. And people are going to walk up to you and they're going to say, okay, I just have to know, what is it about you that makes you different? There's something about you and I want to be like that. What is it? And you'll get to talk about what God has done inside you from the inside out. Here's 2 Corinthians. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Some of your Bibles say we are the aroma of Christ, like our Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. He's like... You're going you're, you're to be in the scene. You're going to be in the house. You're going to be at work. You're going to be in the neighborhood. And the way you react is going to be so different. People are going to notice there's something so different about you than everybody else. And I want what that is. And let's skip the next part of that verse, Annette, and go to the next verse where Jesus is talking in Matthew. You're the light of the world. He's like, I'm, and you're not going to be hidden. I'm inserting you into the world. And, and, and when you let your light shine, everybody's going to notice. And they're going to be drawn to it. In fact, Jesus even said that in John chapter 12. If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Now, he's talking about his ascension to heaven. But he's also speaking a truth to you. That if in your life, you lift up, you die to yourself and live to God... The world is going to be drawn to it. They're going to want to know what makes you different. And just like Isaiah said, if you thought that what has happened in your life has produced ashes, God's going to turn your ashes into a thing of beauty. Your tears, your mourning into joy. Your sorrow. And he's going to clothe you with a garment of praise to God. And people are going to want more of it. I want you to meet Marcy. Marcy, will you come up here this morning? Would you please welcome Marcy to the stage for me? For those of you who do not know Marcy, she's been a... Marcy, how long have you been a member here? I don't know. She's been a member here, I don't know, number of years. And so three. Bonnie, thank you. And so, uh, is that your sister? No. Okay. She keeps you straight all the time? Sure. Okay. <laughs> you can tell she's excited about it, Bonnie. Marcy had an unbelievable, difficult thing happen in her life. And I've asked her if she would share some of it with you. And so, her bravery today is what allows her to be here. And I want you to listen at the very beginning of what she's going to say. And then, put yourself in her shoes and ask, what would I do in that kind of a situation? And then listen to the story as she, she's written it all down and at the end of it, I'll let you also say whatever you want to say. So. My name is Marcy Keycaver and I want to share with you how God worked a tragedy in my life into glory for his name. On June 17th, 2017, 
At 1 a.m., my son Scott had his life taken away from him. And at 7.30 a.m. that morning, I received the phone call. The phone call was so fast, so blunt, and so to the point. Ma'am, I am a lieutenant with the Sheriff's Department in Monroe, Georgia. Your son has been murdered. He is dead. This is the number to call me when you get here, and I will help you get his personal items. I was saying, wait, wait, don't hang up, because I could not comprehend what he was saying. My mind was paralyzed with the news. He quickly slowed down enough to say this, I can tell you, he died quickly. After we hung up, I broke down. I even started screaming to my sister, Bonnie, Scott is dead, Scott is dead. Bonnie just hugged me. There were no words. Soon, I made a couple of phone calls, and things began moving very fast. News got around, and we had to get to Kennesaw, Georgia, where my son lived. My son was such a good man, a godly man. He spent eight years in the Marine Corps. He loved his job, and he was an industrial engineer. Of course, as a mom, I just saw him as my son. But at his funeral, I learned just how wonderful of a human being he was. Scott attended Praise Ta Tabernacle in Powder Springs, and his pastor told me, Scott did so many things for this church people don't even know. He was always helping people. If anyone needed anything, Scott was there for them. His boss said he had never met anyone like Scott before, and I knew Scott was a prayer warrior. I was so proud of him. On the way back home from the funeral and gathering his things, I remembered my last face-to-face -face encounter with my son. I was house-sitting uh, for Scott because he, he had to go to Germany. It was at his house on June 4th. I will never forget what he told me that evening. I'll never forget what he told me that evening. He said, Mom, I'm happy. I'm happy with my friends, my job, my home, my church, and I'm at peace. I've lived a good life. Scott knew something was wrong. He knew his time was short. It had nothing to do with his character or his integrity, but it was directed at him. He didn't tell me what it was because he didn't want me to scare me. But he was at peace with his soul in his life. Knowing there were more to the story had been very hard on me. I wanted to know who took my son's life and why. The facts in the paper were wrong. I couldn't get anything, and this went on until just recently. I knew the young man who shot my son. It was one of his friends named Daniel. This confused me even more. As details came out and important information was guarded, I learned it was less about what really happened and more about me and Daniel. All my anger was now directed at Daniel. That is until the Holy Spirit broke me. It was now June 2018 and God was working on me. I came to the church building and Andy Cruz was in the office. I broke down crying. Andy was so kind to me. He comforted me, held me, and let me cry. He prayed over me, and I felt the anger lifting off of me. I told Andy right there, I cannot love God and hate Daniel. From that moment on, I have prayed for Daniel every day. I write it on our church prayer card every week. I cannot tell you how important my small groups have been to me. All the ladies who have helped me every week, Kathy Black's small group, Donna Johnson's prayer group, Becky Dunn's ladies group, 
All were ministering to me, praying for me and comforting me. God even gave me a special message from Katrina Barnes' eight-year-old daughter, Bailey. Bailey wanted me to know. God told her everything was going to be okay, and she told her mom to tell me. Then the past, this past August, less than a month ago when I was going up to the trial, Bailey wanted to pray over me, but I was already gone. So she told her mother she was going to pray until she heard from her mom that everything was okay, and Bailey did. At the trial is where God and his Holy Spirit really performed a miracle in the courtroom. This date was August 26, 2019. Before the trial, the DA asked me what I wanted to do, continue with the trial or offer some plea deal. All I said was, I want it over quickly. She kept asking me questions, but God was whispering to me to be quiet. I did, and he turned the day around. The DA ended up saying, is it okay if I pray with your family? And we said yes. In the courtroom, we ended up not putting the case in the jury's hands. Daniel took a plea deal of manslaughter and a shorter jail sentence. The judge said there was to be no contact between the victim's family and Daniel. And I hollered out, no, no, I want to hug Daniel. I want to hug Daniel. The judge looked up and allowed me to speak. I said, my son is gone. I lost not only my son, but my prayer partner. I can feel my son asking me to pray for Daniel. I want to hug him. I need it for peace moving forward, and I believe he needs it too. I want to hug Daniel. The attorneys spoke to each other. The courtroom was still, and they motioned me over. Daniel stood up, and I walked over and hugged him. He just held on to me. He whispered, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I told him, you are a good son. You will be okay, and I will be praying for you. There wasn't a dry eye in the courtroom. God's presence was so overwhelming, and everybody knew it. Today I am at peace. I miss my son, but I know he is with God. You know, prayer is not confined to earth. I believe I have peace and strength right now because my son keeps praying for me face to face. Scott gets to ask God to help me. Can't you feel the prayers of your loved ones who are now with God? I want to praise God for his faithfulness to me. I want to say thank you to my family and church family who have walked this path with me. May God bless you all. I have a little story to tell about how God answers even little prayers. Um, when we were, my sister and I were leaving from Georgia to come back to Pensacola, I had to take my son's cat. The cat was a feral cat, and they only bond to one person. And my sister came up to me, and she says, I've been praying for Diesel that we get him into the vehicle with the least amount of damage to us, to him, and the vehicle. And what does the Lord do? Diesel comes into the garage. My car doors are open. He jumps up in the car, walks into his cage, turns around, and sits down as if he was led like a dog. <laughs> oh, that was, I looked at my sister, and I said, for the grace of God, go I. I want people that are in pain to not give up. It was hard keeping up with my routine. I would go to the Bayview Senior Center to exercise three times a week. I would cry. People would hug me. They'd pat me on the shoulder. I needed it. I would go to Coffee Cup and have my breakfast once a week. I kept the routine up. People at the Coffee Cup were supportive. They touched my shoulder. 
but it was my decision not to isolate myself. I have a friend up north in northern Wisconsin, and she kept asking me to come up, and I says, you know, Ayana, if I come up, I'm not coming out of the woods. I know me, and I'm also a Vietnam-era veteran with PTSD, and that is one of the things we do. We isolate. And I kept busy. I kept moving. There were days I'd be crying so hard, all I can yell was, Jesus, help me. And it was amazing. It changed. The whole atmosphere around me changed. The Lord does work. Don't isolate yourself. You're in pain. Find someone who will listen. Find somebody who will pray with you. And it won't be as difficult. I thank you for listening. God bless you. Will you thank her for me? Little Bailey Barnes gave me this this morning at the first service, and she made the color purple. She mixed it with other colors. She says, you are not alone. And I wanted, a, I wanted a bigger picture of my son. That was my favorite picture. It was one of the last ones that was taken of him. It was on his ID card, and that's what she gave me. God answers prayers. And uses little children in the yes. process. God bless you. Thank you. I just think that's incredibly brave, you know, to, to come up and to share. No parent should ever have to bury their child. <clears throat> and in all that pain and in all that suffering, and in all the questions that she had of why, 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 you know, and yet to give it all over to God. And God used different people, a lot of women on Tuesday mornings and at other times just to minister to her. Andy Cruz, you know, just in the office. Little eight-year-old girl named Bailey. God is always planting seeds, letting you know it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. There are three things when your life is hurting and when you want your life to transform from something like this to something like this. Three things that will help. And I'll just put them on the back of your outline. Number one, impact begins with trust. To just like she, it just so easily, she so easily said, I just had to learn to trust God. And that one line, I can't love God and hate Daniel. And when she released it and trusted God with it, her life began to find peace. And so in this verse of scripture that we have in First Peter, it says, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. For you're a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's what you did in that courtroom. Everybody, your brother was telling me, everybody in that courtroom saw the power of God when the mother of a murdered son hugs the one who took his life so that she can be at peace and to speak peace to him. That's... Only God, amen? Only God. Learn to trust God. Number two, pray for open doors. 
I'm praying for an open door. I want my life to change. I want to reflect the things of God. And so Paul in Colossians chapter 4 just says, pray for open doors. Pray for more opportunities so that we can speak of the mystery of Jesus Christ and what he's done in our life. And it is a mystery. We don't know what all God is doing. We just willingly follow and he just leads us down a path even in painful situations. And he transformed our ashes into a thing of beauty. And just like what Marcy did today, she just planted a simple seed in that courtroom and everybody could see God and now they have to decide, what am I going to do with that? Or like today, she just told her story and it's just one seed planted in your heart and you get to decide what you do with it because God will use it to transform you. And then number three, just go. Go in the power of the Lord. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Go and make a difference. And I know we carry pain. I know we carry heartache. But just trust God and go. I'm going to do what I know to do. And I'm still going to see if God will do something beautiful out of it. And so you get to decide which one do you want to be. What Jesus is saying through that whole illustration is that if you'll let God, he'll do something so beautiful in you that everybody will be drawn to it. Now, how are you going to reflect the things of God? When you go into all the world, what are you going to do? This is for all you Florida fans. Maybe you'll be like Tim Tebow and you'll say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to put a verse of scripture underneath my eyes and everywhere I go, people are going to see, you know, Romans or, or something, some other verse of scripture and that's how I'm going to get out the, the word of God. Or maybe you're going to go to a big, you know, Coliseum Bank, you know, ball game, and you're going to hold up a John 3.16 sign to the camera and go, hey, for God's to love the world. And people will go, yay. Or maybe you'll stand on a street corner and just talk to one person. And you'll just, just share the goodness of God. Or maybe that's too public for you. Maybe you'll do it in a small room, in, a, in your home. And you'll just get some people gathered around, and you'll just share with them what God has done for you. Or maybe God will call you to be like Billy Graham and to herald his truth in front of tens of thousands of people was not Billy Graham a gift to our world and all these hungry people wanting to know more about God. Or maybe you'll just go to a Florida Florida Georgia Line concert. Everybody's like, what does that have to do with God? I know Florida Georgia Line, and I've never heard them sing about God. Did any of you hear about what they did in Atlanta, Georgia last week at their concert? <gasps> so Florida Georgia Line has this, you know, this coliseum full of people, and they're just singing their songs, having a good old country time. And then they said, there's somebody we want to bring out, somebody whose songs impacted our life. There's a guy who's written a bunch of songs and he wrote this one song and it transformed both of us. And we have asked him if he would come out and sing his song and Chris Tomlin walks out on stage and Chris Tomlin says, this is crazy. I've done this song all over the world but never like this. And if it's okay with you, can we just worship God and praise his name right now? And this happens at a Florida Georgia line.
All these country people going to this concert. And God breaks out in worship. And all these hands are lifted up. And all these good people in Atlanta, Georgia are just praising God at a Florida Georgia Line concert. And as they start celebrating, he just continues an old hymn, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. And he just says it directly to God, how great thou art. Can you see what God is doing? All around us in our world, God is blurring the line between a country concert and what Jesus wants to speak into their life. And you get to decide if you're going to be a part of that or not. All of a sudden, Jesus is inserted into a concert and everybody sees things differently. And they're confronted. What am I going to do with God? And I don't know, Florida Georgia Line, maybe, that's, maybe that was really risky for them. Maybe they're going to have some of their fans to walk away, say, if I wanted to go to church, I'd go to church. I didn't come here for that. Maybe it's going to draw more people to them. I don't think they care. I think God's doing something in them and they just have to get it out. So what about you? What about you? Today, it's your turn. You get to decide right now, what am I going to do with Jesus? He's wanting to transform my life. He wants to turn my ashes into a thing of beauty. Will I say yes? We have communion that's prepared and everybody's welcome to take communion. This is a simple time where we just submit to what Jesus did on the cross for us. Where he gave his life, shed his blood so that we had the opportunity to say yes and have access to God.